There's really nothing about Jesus that did that. <laughs> right. Which is, There's really no Jesus that is but that But what about TikTok Jesus? So is this sort of version of Jesus, this TikTok Jesus, an innocuous or even helpful religious use of social media? Or is it a digital or AI form of the prosperity gospel? Or something else? You know, when I read this, my first thought was, what is wrong with people? Like, seriously. Welcome to episode 272 of Pup Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverends Shannon Weston, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkhoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And that good brew might be in your very own Pub Theology Life pint glass, which you can get when you become a subscriber on Patreon. Uh, get some more content from the show, like uh, today's pre-show discussion, How to Parent a Teenage Girl. We gave you all the answers, so tune in for that if you're curious. And as always, thank you for to our current patrons. If you would like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash ptlive. Today we discuss TikTok Jesus, armed church members, and rules. It sounds like armed church members definitely need some rules. <laughs> so we're going to need a drink to discuss that. So, Ogan, you and the Roosters, what are you both drinking? Yes, I thought it was a great idea to uh, record this sitting on the balcony because I'm here in Barbados. It's beautiful weather. It's nice and breezy. The sun's beginning to go down in the background. So much noise. We got trucks <laughs> driving by. We got roosters crowing at, you know, 4.30 in the afternoon. But I'm drinking Banks, the official uh, beer of Barbados, the award-winning lager that's manufactured here uh, by Banks Brewery. That's my, that's my drink for today. Nice. Brian, what are you drinking today? So I wasn't sure if those were your chickens or our chickens, Ogan. The, the, ours are running around in the snow. Yours are in a much happier place. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of armed church members, after this recording, we are having a active shooter training at our church with the local police department. So I'm drinking a Heineken Zero uh, so that mm. I can show up fully present and, you know. You didn't want to have a beer buzz when you were talking about after shooting. I, I really didn't want yeah. to welcome in the officers. You know, I, you know it's you got it. Yeah. You got it. And, you know, well, I have, I have a right. meeting I have to attend after this, but I do not have to run. And it's on Zoom and it like literally have nothing to do but sit there and, you know, whatever. So I'm drinking a real beer. Um, this is Hysteria Brewing. Um, which I think is local-ish, but I can't confirm that right now because it doesn't say on the label. This is an act, it's an IPA, but I've had it and it's not bad. It's called Trash Panda. So oh, yeah. there's, the, for those of you on- uh, That is great artwork. Isn't not that bad. beautiful for those? So for those on the podcast, go to Facebook and I'll post a picture of it on the Facebook page. 
It almost looks like a raccoon. It is a raccoon. It's a raccoons are trash pandas. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Trash pandas. And actually, it's in honor of Derek, who took the dog for a walk last week, and our dog and a trash panda who was going through the trash. Like our dogs decided to instigate a bite Ooh. against it. So nice. I got it kind of as a joke. But you know, also I liked the artwork. And you know, that's sometimes why you when you buy beer. Um, so there you go. One of our local breweries is doing a beer advent calendar, and I'm really, really tempted. I'm, I just might pull the trigger tomorrow and go get one. So yeah. I might have that throughout uh, uh, December. I don't even I don't even know why you're deliberating about it. It sounds like a because it's going to be so many IPAs. It's going to be so uh, many. IPAs. Yeah, and I'm okay. going to have to I ship see. them all to Brian. Tis the season. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, it's always the season. Because no. it's 24, it's 24 cans. Like that's their I think it's great that they're doing it versus like a big company, but like a local brewery is uh-huh. doing it. Um, but it's it's gotta be just like 20 IPAs and like four other beers. So amazing. I'm thinking about it still though. Support local. There you go. Anyway. There you go. On to today's topics. Well, we are on the other side of the Thanksgiving holiday. Do you either of you have a highlight you'd like to share from the holiday weekend or a low light or meh? Um, my highlight and low light were basically the same thing, which ah. was um, um, having a Friendsgiving get together here in Barbados. You know, the country doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving, but there's enough of us expats and people who used to live in the States who are here now. Um, whether permanently or extended time, who decided, you know, let's let's get together and have like a Friendsgiving uh, potluck. So I that said, rooster was really happy it wasn't him on the table. That's all. You know, <laughs> the roosters here do not understand their role when it comes to time of day, because because this thing is crowing the same way at two a.m. By the way, it's yeah. Oh, I've never read a rooster unreal. by the way that that did the whole morning and night thing. Oh my yeah. god! Sorry, enough about that. the rooster where that myth came from but i decided i would um to the friends given potluck i would make a macaroni pie and what we call macaroni pie here in barbados is basically a next level baked mac and cheese okay so basically if it helps get an idea in your head i had to sh- i had to grate or shred uh, a pound and a half of cheddar cheese which is a lot of cheese uh by the way so anyways, what makes um, it next level? Sorry, I just have to know. Like wait, all the cheese, all the mess of ingredients to go into it. Um, lots of onion, lots of grated cheese, lots of okay. seasons and spices. It's a whole thing. Got it. But okay. I've never I've never tasted a similar like baked mac and cheese in the States. So I'd have to go like somewhere deep south for that. Um Got it. but um and side note, the creation of this is attributed to Thomas Jefferson's uh, slave slash cook, um, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Sally Hemmons' brother, I forget brother. his name. Um, but yes, Mr. he was Hemmons. trained in, Mr. Hemmons was trained when Thomas Jefferson took Sally Hemmons to, to France. Also took her brother and put him to culinary school. But anyways, um, I digress. The uh, So I said, oh, I'll make a macaroni and cheese and, or macaroni pie. And my aunt, who is really, really good at this, I said, what's your recipe? And she says, why do you need the recipe? Because I said, I'm making one. And she laughed at me. I told my mother, she laughed at me. 
I, I, I told my friends, they had bets going as to who I would delegate this to or offload the tasks to where I might buy it from on the way to the Friendsgiving. <laughs> but no, no one believed that I would make this thing myself. And part of me was kind of like, oh, I'll show them. But part of me was also pissed. Like, right. I don't under. And then part of me goes like, huh, what precedent have I set to make people believe that I will never make a thing myself? Also, did you, you know, to throw back to our uh, pre-show conversation, did people forget that I have a grown child who for many years, it was just me and her? And, and she, I, she had to eat? She had to eat and she didn't do all the cooking. But I did most of the cooking. Like, I can cook because you don't see me do it often doesn't mean I can't do it. But... But the highlight was I baked this macaroni, this macaroni pie, and my mother keeps sh- kept showing up in the kitchen along the way, taste testing <laughs> to make sure it was going okay. And it was worth it for her right before it gets popped in the oven because it's basically fully cooked. You know, you got to cook the noodles right. and anything. But you need the crispy top. And you need and you need to get the spice balance right, and it's the whole thing. But she came in to taste it before it popped in the oven. She's like, I have to taste it before it goes in the oven because I got to make sure you did it right. Plus, I don't want people to know you're associated with me if this thing turns out badly. So I think there was a bit of that at stake, too. And she begrudgingly had to admit that it tasted okay. It was worth it to see her do the whole shrug. Sure, it tastes fine, um, which which is a high compliment from her. Um, and it was great. And it was beautiful. No leftovers. I got a picture she posted on the um, Facebook page, no leftovers. Um, and it was beautiful. And I was very proud of myself. So I had to go through the the harsh, I don't know, ridicule and criticism for this thing, but turned out great. And but you came very proud through. Of well, I'm glad the low light was the friends sort of, you know, not believing you were going to do it. And it wasn't that in the end, it turned out awful. Oh no, it was it was great. See, but both friends and family were laughing at me. They were like, Well, like, and I thought the laughing happen. was gonna be because you asked for recipes. And I was like, nobody writes that down. Nobody has that written down. That's what I thought the laughing was gonna be about. So funny you should mention that, because my aunt sorry about that noise. We got Mr. Dirt Bike trying to do a wheelie going up the hill. Hope you make it, son. Um the she sent me an ingredient list, mm-hmm. but not a whole lot of measurements no. of those ingredients. Yeah, oh, this is a right? this is like a technical Bake Off challenge. You know, you exactly. Like, she is. Make she the is, macaroni pie. <laughs> exactly. She is like basically improvising, cooking this whole time. Yeah. yeah. And then to no. the to the point where afterwards, my mom says, "Now that we know you can do this, and it turns out okay, perhaps now every Sunday you should make the macaroni pie." And I said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, I am not <laughs> here to take over. <laughs> this was, this was, this is not the point of me of me doing this." Which I realized probably lends to the precedent of them not believing I can I can cook. I'm a very capable cook. Do I want to? Do I like to? No, that doesn't mean I can't. So nice. there we go. Well, very good. That was very my good. Sorry. Shannon, what about you? So our highlight, um, we did not have the kids on Thanksgiving this year. So we got them the day after. Our our meal was fine. It wasn't anybody's best year, really, in general. And that's fine. Like, I I can let that go. Um, Was the highlight you not having them? Because that's what I sounded like you were saying. 
No, I just like, um, well, we kind of packed the weekend with, um, so Derek's sister, this is kind of my highlight, Derek's sister, her husband, her two girls who actually only live about 45 minutes from us. Um, And this is not to get into the whole thing, but this is a fairly new sister, Um, not because she's a baby, but because of some nice 23andMe swabbing and finding family and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. And it was like, they were here for like eight hours and it was easy. Like, you know, the conversation was easy. The hangout was easy. Um, the kids got like, it was just really fun and great. And yeah. And, and I just, um, I'm so grateful for that. Like that was such a highlight. Um, and then our adopted grandma came over on, um, Sunday morning and had brunch with us. And then we watched football and then we put up the Christmas tree and like, it just was a very full, good weekend. Um, and I can't seem to catch up on my sleep since then. (laughs) So it was exhausting, but in it all in the good ways. And I think this is the first bit of alcohol I've had since Saturday night because I drank quite a bit of wine. (laughs) Bingo. Nice. Which is how you knew how much fun it was. Now, once I did the math on how long they were there, I didn't feel as bad for how much I drank. So I was like, oh, it was like over eight hours, but I drank a lot of wine. (laughs) So for us, the the last four Thanksgivings, we've uh, had the chance to go up north, uh, about three and a half hours north to one of our favorite spots in the state. And we have some friends who own a home up there that's usually a vacation rental. But in late November, people aren't really, you know um vacationing much so it's it's a nice spot and it's big enough that some extended family can come and join us and uh, there's hiking trails there's a lake with uh you know walking by the lake that kind of stuff anyway just nice to be away and i had the sunday off so it feels like we went up tuesday after the kids were out of school so it's like we're there tuesday night to sunday and so it's like a nice kind of refresh time before getting into advent and all of that so um so that was a lot of fun um highlight part b was my team beat the buckeyes for the third straight year and yeah they did low light in my exuberance and enthusiasm like shannon saturday night i probably had a little more than i should have (laughs) because my normal filters were just i'm just like we won so nothing matters i'm just (laughs) life is awesome and then and then i woke up sunday and i was like what did I do oh. last night? <laughs> I I did like I, I, I certainly have been at the stage where I'm like, what did we do last night? And I wasn't there, but I was like, I didn't embarrass myself, did I? Because I drank a lot of wine. And Derek was like, no, you were having fun. And I was like, yeah, but not in an embarrassing way, right? <laughs> like <laughs> I don't think I embarrassed myself either, but I will say I don't remember going to bed. And then my two brother-in-laws were gonna smoke a cigar outside after we were playing cards or whatever i w- i didn't remember going to bed went to bed with all my clothes on they came in the room and were clanging my meditation bowl like brian let's go outside and i never heard any of that you didn't. <laughs> oh i remember going to bed that wasn't the issue so you know <laughs> all right moving on <laughs>
Okay, in the Gospel of John, uh, 15 verse 7, Jesus says to his disciples, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. How do you interpret that? I've always kind of wrestled with this text. Like, what, what is, is Jesus like offering to be a, you know. A genie in a lamp? Is he <laughs> yeah. the genie in a lamp? Is, is the he, genie in a bottle? <laughs> Is he the, uh, the right way? vending machine? I'm, I'm not sure what to, exp you know. Uh, like, I've tried oh, this a few times what's and, the context and didn't here? get it. So I don't know if I was doing Well, it right. I mean, I mean, it's John. John, exactly. like, you gotta... <laughs> I mean, we can't take always... anything seriously John said. Is that step exactly. one in interpreting this as which gospel? Is exactly. That? It was John. John's always a little bit up there with the promises, right? <laughs> but, but how I how I interpret this now is the idea of if if we live really by let's just say the the principles and the tenets that Jesus taught and demonstrated in the other gospels, especially um, if, if if this is what we live by, we will find ourselves in a place where we get what we actually want and what we actually want i think is community connection peace love like those those things which unfortunately we, we like to outsource the material things um and that we have a certain attachment uh to the way they look um so you know if I if I love my neighbor as myself, I believe I will be loved. I will, and I will find love. If I do to the least of these, then I'm gonna build a society that is justice oriented, that benefits all, including myself, uh, as a recipient of those. So, so I think I'll get ultimately what I'm looking for in life deep down inside if I follow the teachings. Um, so that's that's kind of how I look at it now, not so much as, uh, you know, I do what Jesus says and I'm going to win the lottery. Although I wouldn't object to that. I, right. I got a problem with that, with that right. but I don't think that's that's what he's that's saying. That's not where he was going. Right, because because when I, when I say want to win the lottery, what I'm saying is there's there's much deeper needs under that that I believe money is the solution for. And money may not be the solution directly for those things. Or, you know what I'm saying? So what what are what are the real deep intrinsic needs and desires that I have that are aligned with my authentic spirit? Mm. I believe those are the things that I will experience if I follow. The, the teachings, the tenets, the examples of Jesus. I like it. I, I mean, like this it. is this is a hard section. Now, it's right before the greatest commandment, right? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Yeah. And there's no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for their friend. But it is a very, it, well, it's not is, it feels on the surface if you just read it as it is, it feels very tit for tat, right? Like if you do this, then this will happen. Right, like a spiritual formula, just plug it in. Exactly. And like, I've always kind of read this section just with this very, that's not the way it works. That's not how any of this works, right? Is like, mm -hmm. because what, 
you know, I mean, so the first part, it's it's under the section where like, I am the true vine and the vines that don't bear fruit are trimmed away so that the others may bear fruit. And like, I, I think there's a message. I mean, that's an agricultural message that is a metaphor for our lives, which is right. If we put a lot of energy into areas that are not for us or, you know, negative, not just thoughts, but, you know, we pour a lot of energy into places that don't really need us, then, you know, we're not going to have time on the things that are important. So, Or, or is it that let's be okay with the people who ride motorcycles without helmets, like, you know, <laughs> call, call the, call the herd a little bit. Well, I think it's, for me, it's more of a, not so much of a stay in your lane, but a, um, you have things that are yours to do. And so it's okay to not be everything to everybody. And Mm. it's okay to not, you know, to let other people have their, to be expert at their thing, right? And for you to be important over here. And um, for me, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's more about like not being in competition with one another and focusing on the graciousness of togetherness but again when you read it on the surface it it is very if if you do this then i'll love you you know it's it's and that's not helpful yeah the broader context is as you noted um this is sort of isn't this the like the supper discourse in john this is after the washing of the feet this is before the long prayer in John 17, before the arrest and, you know, crucifixion, of course. Um, so the, John makes what's like a chapter in the other Gospels, like four super long, maybe even five yeah. super long chapters with Jesus just going on and on and on. And so it is really interesting um, to to notice that contrast and to wonder what what was the community of John or what was in the mind of the author that, that this needed so much section of, of the whole gospel is, you know, like a huge part of it is devoted to well, this one evening. Was, wasn't, wasn't John's approach. Like Jesus, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is not just the son of God. Jesus is God. Jesus mm-hmm. is the man of the full manifestation of God. And therefore, um, God's love is fully, fully manifested in Jesus. And therefore, it's all about loving Jesus for us to experience God's love. That's, yeah, that's, that's a big, you know, so it, it, it is a big part of it. So, so I, I, I think when you ask about what's in the author's mind, therefore, why he spent so much part on that one night was because I think, I think, it was Jesus's last opportunity to drive home the message one mm-hmm, and right. two, his sacrifice was the ultimate act of love. Yeah. Right. Um, and therefore let's talk ad nauseum about it, which again, for me is one of those after the facts, uh, like let's try to rationalize and explain why this man who could walk on water, walk on water was allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. Oh, he had to, he had to have done it willingly this was a willing sacrifice right. um and and it came from a place and it came from a place of love so yes well Sorry, go and, ahead, not but but and like and john is all about the community 
And so all of the yous are not singular yous. They're right. you all as a that's community. A good, that's a great point. And so there's no like, if you all, so, th- so there's a little bit of the message here of, hey, us as a community, the gospel is that we stick together. We stick with Jesus. So again, it, it's not so much if I, it's not that singular personal Jesusness about it. There's, there's a collective here that John has a focus on. Yeah. And that's that good. And let me forget. reread it with that in mind. Cause I think my sort of default is to read it as, and maybe many people, readers of the Bible is to default to the singular. Um, but let's read it with the plural in mind. If you, all of you remain in me and my words remain in all of you, ask whatever you, the community wish, and it will be done for you, the community. Like that's such a different way of reading this. So if we have a value of living life in, you know, true community and living in a way that is, we love one another, right? As we have been loved, we value one another, we take care of one another, then whatever we need, whatever our needs are, which is kind of the whatever you wish, right? Um, Then I'm trying to see what the... Um, yeah, whatever you wish will be done because you all will take care of each other. Um, and also your needs, your wishes will not be, as Ogan said, right, for me to have my own personal McMansion. My wishes will be this communal or this community oriented value. So it's a very empowering statement when you when you look at it from this community lens. Yeah, and too often it, it it's it is sort of lifted out of its context, singularized and used in a sort of prosperity gospel manner. Like if you pray for it, expect it. Yep. And that's not there's really nothing about Jesus that did that. <laughs> right, which is There's really no Jesus that is But that what way. about TikTok Jesus. That's our next topic. The TikTok profile uh, Daily Believer has 70 videos with computer-generated Jesuses looking directly at the viewer, beseeching them to stop scrolling and watch the next minute's worth of content. All of these depictions of Jesus are long-haired and bearded, some wear the crown of thorns, Many look alarmingly like the actor Jared Leto. Nearly all, yeah, they all look like white Western Jesus. Well, I mean, I guess Jared is, you know, could be Israeli. Maybe he's got he's blue Israeli. eyes. Like, no. But it. Listen, I would not be mad if my Jesus looked like Jared Leto. I mean, I'm just going to put it out. There. That's fair. Okay. It's fair. It's fair. But, okay, so you, you get this video, this, this AI Jesus, this TikTok Jesus, and nearly all promise a surprise or good news soon in exchange for the viewer liking, commenting amen, or sharing it with their friends and family. And so this TikTok channel now has over 800,000 followers, over 9 million likes. So is this sort of version of Jesus, this TikTok Jesus, an innocuous or even helpful religious use of social media? Or is it a digital or AI form of the prosperity gospel? Or something else? You know... When I read this, my first thought was, what is wrong with people? 
Like, seriously. And, and, and it also was like, clearly I don't understand people. What is um, after I got over the what is wrong with people because I realized that was harsh and judgy, I was like, clearly I don't understand people. So then I was harshly judging myself. Right. <laughs> then I was like, yeah, social media has broken the, irreparably broken the world in such a way that like, like we all got to now be on board with it and part of it as we are. And uh, it's, 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 it's just a mess. But I also think it speaks to a deeper need for people and the pain they're in that the, that like, like the, this offers some sort of, I don't even know if it's hope. It's, it's something that brings them some level of comfort. Positivity. It's, it's positive, something which really, so, so I'm not, I'm not entirely mad if this is what helps people with their day, um, gives them a little glimmer of light or a yeah. solve in a world on fire. By the same point in time, I'm like, what's wrong with people? <laughs> I mean, what's wrong circle. with people is that we've monetized <laughs> likes and Everything. followers, right? Like, <laughs> yes, you know, that's the problem. Not yes. listen, if, if somebody wants to spend their time doing this, like, I can guarantee that person thinks, oh, I'm spreading good news and joy and I'm saving souls. And, and you know what, that's, I don't, I don't actually care, right? Like you do with your time and your energy, what you want to do. My issue is, is that TikTok says, if you get this many followers, we'll pay you for your likes and subscribes here. That's my issue. Um, Well, and how much, well, do you also take issue with them presenting Jesus in this way? Like, it's kind of like, yeah, well, you do what you want, you do what you like, but it's also it is a manipulation of 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 course of our shared tradition. But what isn't? <laughs> I was about to say, isn't it all a manipulation to some extent? Fair. I mean, what? Fair. But what isn't? I mean, so the closest. I mean, I'll I'll say this. So I follow a couple of these. Um, now these are real people. There's a big difference. These are real people. But a couple of the accounts that are like dad's teaching you how to do dad things like things that you know that they were like I never knew I would get followers for this I never knew that like but they always end with like love dad and like yeah it makes my heart warm because these are like I didn't I mean I learned how to check my oil my dad taught me how to do that but like some people didn't but there's plenty of things on there like how to change a tire and how to do things that like people did not learn and i'm i'm not mad about it like if that makes me it makes me feel warm and fuzzy like that's fine right do whatever it's you're a, gonna do it, it's a double-edged sword for sure yeah um, but this you know yes i i hear all of it i i wish that you could understand the context of which jesus i wish you had a little more historical but like it's all AI. If people really do believe that's Jesus, that's on them. I Just imagine I mean, Jesus know. saying, comment, like, or subscribe. <laughs> Listen, but that, that begs an interesting question. If Jesus were alive today, would, would he be on social media? Right. I mean, probably enough people would probably put him on social media. I don't know if he, if he actually would be. I mean, he him, used to, I, don't I mean, uh, but like by the every- way, sorry, go ahead. No, just like every big religious person now has somebody doing social media for them. Like yeah. it's just it is what it is. I I don't know. Um, I really I think do. Judas like, I would have been in charge of the social media. 
I went to a brewery with a friend last week because I was on vacation and like did things like go to a brewery with a friend who is not on any social media at all. And I'm like, no, I really think that you are like smarter than the rest of us. Yeah, you're you were right. But how? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's like, I'm just not built for it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, please do not hear this. It's like condemning. I really am like. I, I think that's where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, my three closest friends from college are not on Facebook. They're not on Instagram. They're not on Twitter. I'm like, how am I supposed to know and, what's happening? And they're the better for it. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, speaking of speaking of Jesus's looking in ways we don't expect, have you heard of the Book of Clarence, the movie? No. Oh, you I, have to I look. feel like you mentioned it before. I have not because I only I only heard about it earlier today and I oh. saw the preview for it. So it's Lakeith Stanfield, um, um, who was uh, he played? What did he play? He was in the uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, and oh, yeah, yeah. he was also yeah. in. So anyway, he's a black actor, and this is like almost an all black cast, and it's happening at the time of Jesus, and the the preview makes it look like he is like okay. I see what Jesus is doing. I'm going to generate my own sort of like hustle along these lines. Yeah. And, but then it, it sort of takes off into this whole thing where people are actually like inspired and start following him and stuff. Yes, I love it. It looks amazing. Book of Clarence. Please go look at the preview. And I'm like, I can't wait for this to come out. I'm going to check that out for sure. All right. I came across a survey which. Uh, said more than half of Protestant pastors claim to rely on armed congregants for security. So more than half of pastors, more than half of pastors claiming to rely on armed congregants for security. I don't remember who did the polling. Okay. But like, I'm sorry. I'm just pause. Like out of all Protestant pastors who have security, I'm sure this was a subset of all Protestant pastors, probably all. Well, so keep listening. Okay. Um, radio communications among security personnel and a no firearms policy in church facilities were the next most popular security options. So either radio communications or a strict no firearms for anyone policy. Mm-hmm. Um, those were 26 and 21%. The amount with armed was 54 Um, So I... So the, so interesting, right? That some are saying yeah. we specifically want guns in church for security and others are saying we explicitly don't want them in church for security. And after we're done recording this, I'm going to an active shooter training that my church has asked our local police to do for us because these are the times we are in. And so the question is, you know, discuss the challenge of worrying about security while trying to hold a meaningful worship service. Like, I hate that. Like we're discussing, do we lock the main exit? So at like quarter after so that no one can enter without visual contact, us approving them in. I hate that. But it's it's a conversation that's being had for sure. Well, yeah, these are the, these are the times we're in. There've been mass shootings and mass killings in churches um, when I was when I was passive at church, we were having this discussion way back in like before COVID. Actually, we, sure. we were having this uh, similar discussion 
Um, and um, and we, we came up with a plan that did not involve Armin people because there were some people on the board who were like, we should. And most others were like, no, we should not because... Just you were armed because you, know, you had the best view. Listen, you you laugh, but I just read an article not so long ago about actual pastors who show up strapped. Yeah. Like and and they're well, ready to go. So Shannon, yeah. oh, real quick, you you asked about who was surveyed. This is like a 2019 survey from a group called uh, Lifeway Research, oh, and evangelical, and, and the results were yeah, eighty one percent of churches have at least one security measure in place. Fifty four percent rely on armed congregants, and fifty seven percent of pastors is like we need to have a an active shooter plan for an active shooter. Uh, situation. So right. that's what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, so my again, issue is just that mm-hmm. it implies that like half of Protestant churches have this, you know. And that's but, obviously not correct. Right. But anyway. Right. But my problem is my problem is this is not the answer. You're missing the answer. You're right. <laughs> the solution isn't should we arm our church congregants? Should we hire security? The answer is can we look at the bigger societal issue around guns and yes. do something about that? Why are we not doing anything about that? Well, well, of course. I think it's a both and though, because yes, I think a lot of churches are, you know, churches that the three of us might align, affirm with, identify with, are working to pressure elected officials to do something and it's like moving mud it's like so slow in our country for all the reasons we've talked about previously to have any change around gun laws and gun reality gun proliferation in the meantime we also can't have our heads in the ground and think this will never happen to us like we need to know where are the exits in this room what's happening with those who are with the kids when if something happened like we got to have a plan and because the churches that are most likely to be targeted are progressive churches. Let's yes. just be really frank about that because like they're churches who have stances on, you know, like who are pro-choice churches who are pro LGBTQ. Yes. These are, these are the churches targeted. And these are also the churches who are most likely not to have an armed person right. and are more likely to have a policy around no guns, no firearms in the building. Right. Um, and so there, there, there is a lot of complication around this. And so I obviously was for and pro like not having arm any kind of armed weapons in the building. And we had that policy um, mostly because there was a preschool. And even to the point that like dads and moms that were police officers had to leave their weapons in the car when they came in and were kind of complaining about that. And I was like, no, this is, this is an unsafe environment for like the number of things that could go wrong. I'm sorry. Like that's where we are. So uh, there was, there was an exception, uh, although there was a disgust exception for if they were on active duty. And I'm like, then why are they picking up their kid if they're on active duty? So there no, we that. don't need to have that discussion. But anyway, you may disagree with me, but that's just where we landed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is more likely to be progressive churches that are the ones targeted. And I have certainly, I'm not going to lie about this. I've certainly been in the pulpit when somebody walked in that I was nervous about. Yes. Like, same. I have. And 
you like you just don't know. And depending on the layout of your church, you might be the one who either knows it first or is the only one who knows it or is the only one that knows it, you know, and 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 we didn't, you know, it's also this awkward situation of like, do you talk about that later? Because on one hand, when they turn out to be just a regular visitor that was late, you know, you feel really awkward about it, but you're like, also, how do I talk about this safely? Glad you didn't hit the button under the pulpit and one of the elders <laughs> ran and tackled him. Right. <laughs> but I also want to name that here in Baltimore, um, I have been part of like a task force because our some of our Black churches during Freddie Gray were being targeted and were the pastors were getting death threats. And we had to, as a presbytery, had to support them somehow. And we did decide actually to hire one of the congregants who did like private security to protect the pastor and protect the congregation. Um, And it was a period of time. And I do feel like that was a specific special circumstance because they were getting bomb and death threats at the time. And so, like, I do think there is a a bit of a difference between, like, special instances such as, like, active threats and kind of a more generalized um, discussion. Yeah. Because when you're getting active death threats, like... Yeah, you got to do something about that. You got to do something about that. Absolutely. And you need to, you know, we need to protect our pastors and our congregants, for sure. My issue with having armed security and armed congregants is that it it validates that narrative of you know what stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun and we right. know that ain't true right. there's nothing true about that um we also know that um a lot of accidents are prone to happen when i think i think i froze up there um uh a lot of accidents are prone to happen when guns are on site. To your point, Shannon, around we have a preschool. Let's yeah. not have guns on site. Right. So, so, so that that's that's my issue with it. Uh, and and again, that buys into the the gun lobby narrative of the answer to to guns is more guns. No, the right. answer to guns is less guns. Yeah. Um, but yes, we 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 live in a time and a place where where churches are not safe, or 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 being in churches not guarantee your safety is a better way to 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 put it. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, let's let's have a plan. Should you know, God forbid, something like that happens, but I don't think having more guns is 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 the answer i'm sorry it's 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 been proven like it's not just my opinion right we 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 have we have statistics right yeah and i i so i feel like (sighs) i agree with all of what you both said and so there's the practical of the the statistics just don't bear out the truth of that but also theologically like for me like as someone who believes that jesus teaches us to put away the sword or turn the other cheek and, and is an advocate generally of of responding to conflict creatively rather than returning the conflict that having guns feel is a theological problem because i don't think that's what jesus would have us do and so i don't think it sets the right tone or we'd be betraying our values if we were to do it just out of practicality's sake well and and so i i think turn the other cheek is 
is not a great Bible verse here. Like, I'm just going to not that, you know, but I do think Jesus getting arrested, <laughs> Jesus getting arrested and Peter pulling out the sword. Yeah, that's more in perfect. that moment. I think that is a perfect Bible story for this instance, because one, it does beg the question, like, why is Peter carrying a sword? Like, well, it was the norm of the day. People had was the armed security detail. He was part of the active shooter plan. But what does Jesus say about it? Right. Like, no, this is not yeah. who we are. This is not what we do. And so I'm not like. And he, and then the, he says, I could call down tons of angels, but that's not how we roll in the that's, Right. Like this isn't, this isn't what we're doing here. And so I'm, I don't know why I paused was because I went into scenario where I'm not trying to say that. So if a shooter comes in and kills more people because nobody in the congregation had a gun, so be it. But like, that is also kind of where I am because that is our faith. That is what we understand. And, and, you know, it, it goes back. So I go back to the Charleston, you know, mother Emmanuel moment where I guarantee somebody in the room when he walked in for Bible study, went, holy shit, what is, like, this isn't going to be good. Somebody had their radar up, and yet they welcomed him him in anyway. And, like, that's... And that wasn't that's the wrong... That's the side I want to be on. You don't, Yeah, you don't want to say that was the wrong thing to do. It wasn't. Right. It wasn't. It just wasn't, because that's not what we believe. So, so oh. interesting you mentioned... Charleston. So um, I'm looking at this is an article in the Associated Press from October, where they interviewed two pastors who are armed while they do their service. And one of the pastors, um, he's in Niagara Falls, New York, but he mentioned that it's not a great neighborhood. The makeup of his church, congregant wise and location wise, is very similar to the Charleston church. And he's quoted as saying, I'm really not free if I have to sit here and worry about threats to a congregation. And um, and he's saying this that uh, there was a there was a shooting just two blocks from his church where uh, a young man was murdered. Um, he says, "I'm really not free if I know that there's someone who can do harm and I can't do anything to protect them." And and his the city that he lives in has one of the state's highest rates of violent crime so he feels it's it's this is what he has to do to help protect his congregation he has to show up arms um to do that and again is it the pastor's job to protect the congregation in that in that way i don't know some pastors see it take it on upon themselves you know i think it's a job for all of us in if we're in a church. It is all our job to look out for each other, to protect each other. Right. And yes, we're gonna we're gonna disagree about ways to do that. Cause right, some are gonna be let's show up arms. Some of us are not. Um right. And I could almost see the the idea that maybe I really don't plan to use it, but we're gonna I'm gonna not be quiet about the fact that I'm armed at this church. So even just the sort of the the knowledge of that might mitigate you know, the, the likelihood of someone showing up. It's almost like the Cold War mutually assured destruction. It's like, well, if we're all armed, we're not going to, you know, melt ourselves, you know. So just knowing that you have that capability 
is enough for me to think that stops people because everybody knows the random American is going to be armed. <laughs> I was trying, I was just trying to defend him a little bit, but I mean, you know, maybe I'm I just... never plan to use it, but Hey, you remember know I'm, I'm, I'm packing heat here. There are more guns owned than there are people in the U S it's right? disgusting. You know, I will so... fully admit it always surprises me when someone I know, I won't even say a friend, but like someone I know is like, oh yeah, I totally have guns and carry guns. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Come again? Like, I, I'm really like, it's, it still surprises me to this day. Right. You know, I, right, I'm, I'm, I'm less, sorry. I'm just going to, I am less surprised by that anymore just because of the numbers, but, but. But what what continues to amaze me, and I think this is probably what you're saying, Shannon, in the face of all the research that says you own a gun is really not going to help any situation and will likely make it worse, that this was still your choice. I understand that you bought into the narrative of I have to protect my family and, you know, somebody's got well, a gun. The, the belief my owning a gun is the next best, you know, choice of defense. But, yeah what the the it does anyway it doesn't surprise me because every gun owner i know owns like so many guns oh yeah and so like the the statistic of like there's more guns than people because i'm like yeah because these people that oh, yeah, own them yeah. like people, like people own multiple a minimum guns. of five guns to one person so, but you like, never know who that random person is no you don't you you, don't. you, you pull up on and well, and I still like when my kids go over to someone's new house who's new or whatever, and I'm still like, so when can I ask if there's guns in the house? Like, and if they're right. locked in a cabinet and blah blah blah. Like that became a regular thing when they were kids. And yeah. anyway, mm-hmm. so anyway, now we're getting into the whole horrific, but that's just what it is. All right, our final quote is people are more important than rules. Do you agree with this statement? And who said that quote, Brian? Did you say it? Is this this, this was is, it said to you? Let me ask that question. This was just put or out are you, there. Are, are, are you trying to work this? You're just trying to work this through before you go to your meeting. Right. <laughs> Got safety plan. So it's an interesting statement, right? Because it sounds like the statement itself is a rule. <laughs> and also, like the point of rules generally is to protect the well-being of people. So, right. like, how would you know when a person is more important than a rule or the rule is there to protect the person? Like, how do you how do you find that balance? And I guess the the one example that comes to mind is when Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Like when you've right. made this rule, which was here to support your well-being, to be so important that it's now hurting people and detrimental to people's well-being, you've got it backwards. That's right. what comes to mind with this statement. People are more important than rules. But what what do you think? I so, think they are. I think I they agree. are. People yep. are more important than than the rules. I also agree to your point, Brian. Yes, rules are generally there to maintain safety, order, all the things. And uh, to Jesus' point that you made with that, with that one Sabbath thing is we can't we can't let following the rule take precedent over. Oh, we got an ice cream truck now. We can't let following the rule take 
precedent over the needs of the people. So, so this is where we get into the, you know, when do we make an exception? When do we bend the rule? Or when do we allow the rule to evolve right. so that we recognize the, 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 the way this rule was originally created, maybe not meeting the needs as much anymore. We have too many special cases. We, you know, that doesn't apply anymore. Can we take a moment to step back and, you know, tweak the rule as we go? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I I think we all, there are rules that are there to protect people. And so like, thou shall not kill. You know, we use this a lot, right? And there is self-defense. And we talk about that, you know, like all of this kind of thing. What, you know, I work so much with organizations and pattern and behavior and and there are rules for a reason, um, but it's it just comes down to the, at what point is it hindering any kind of personal, like people, at what point is that hindering relationship and at what point is it helping? Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I had just have a tendency for benefit of the doubt and people over rules, but, I, but I'm not anti-rule. I'm really not, like I'm not, I, I really like good policy and I really like good procedure um, because yeah. I do think it actually protects the people. Oh, it's, it's important. It's, it's, it's essential. So if we took a people chaos. are more important than rules discussion to the guns that we were just talking about, we would have a completely different rules on guns in this country well i could see know. somebody you were talking about your church having a no gun policy someone might say well that doesn't apply to me because i believe people are more important than rules so someone in this church needs to have a gun to protect you all which i <laughs> well, think would be they're taking it backwards but you know so for instance right because you know republicans are the um the party of states rights um and law and maryland passed <laughs> maryland passed a law that you needed a, a waiting period to buy a gun, you needed a background check, you needed, right? Because that's what our state agreed on. Yeah. And then it was shut down because the Supreme Court said, no, that goes against the rule that you can't have any restriction, any on gun ownership. And so it just became a very interesting, like- The Supreme okay. Court said that? Mm-hmm. Of course they did. Yeah. This was, Idiots. This was a thing in Maryland not, not too long ago. Because Marylanders agreed that we would like some boundaries, yes. some rules yes. to protect our people around people. guns. So we passed a law. My goodness. And it was shot down. So, like, there's this really interesting dilemma. Now, on the same time, before Roe v. Wade was shot down, I liked the way that that went, right? I liked that states couldn't you know, not give um, any kind of abortion care to their people because of that rule. So like, it gets complicated. I just want to say that. And like, both of those ways, I do have to ask, where where are the people here? Um, and including all the women that are suing the state of Texas right now for not being able to get the care that they need, the like the physical women's health care that they need because of this ruling. So it's it's got to be 
it's got to be people are more important than rules. It just has yeah, to be. I and I I agree, and I think Ogan put it well. Like if we allow a phrase like this to help us think, how do our rules need to evolve? Right. Are they still working? As they should. And that doesn't mean there's no rules. It actually means the opposite, right? It right. means that there's a pattern and a and this kind of goes back to our like Jesus comment that you know in in John 15, right? Ooh. This kind of love one another as you would want to be loved. Well, it it that's a community-oriented thing. That doesn't mean one one to one. That's not how it works. It's a community-oriented. It's it's also very American. I mean, we have a constitution and we have a whole list of amendments to those constitution to that constitution because we realize, you know what, these original set of rules didn't quite take into account how people and culture is evolving. So we gotta we gotta amend those original rules with some new rules. And, and how about we amend the second amendment? How about we amend the amendments? Exactly. Yeah. Well, and even just go to church process, which is we have policies, we have procedures, we have bylaws. We also have ways to suspend those rules for the right. benefit of the group. And that's, exactly. we have to be flexible in that. Correct. Absolutely. In, in, indeed. Indeed. So thank you, friends, for tuning into Pub Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. To get access to pre- and post-show banter and more, visit patreon.com slash ptlive to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Google, Apple and Google Podcasts. Our top cities this week are Boy- Boyton? Boyton, Virginia? Maybe. Virginians, Mountain View, California, and Dallas, Texas. You can watch the video of these conversations on Facebook Live. And if you'd like to start a pup theology gathering in your town, find support and resources at puptheology.com. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Also, by the way, hey, how do you, how do you, how would you all feel? Sorry, I didn't think about this in the body of the show. How would you all feel about metal detectors? church doors so i've been to like big mega churches that have metal detectors to me that feels better than a welcome to our church here's a pat down i mean so i mean some people some people might like that better you just never know (laughs)